Welcome to Cornerstone, a podcast by Rebuild Fellowship. On today's episode, Pastor Chuck will begin a new message, which is titled, We Are Reproducers. In this message, we will continue our long series about bearing fruit by looking at how we bear fruit as a part of the Rebuild family. This will be the final message in a three-message sub-series and talks to the importance of reproducing the good news. The text for today's message can be found in Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there right now as we join in with Pastor Chuck. Family, we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do it better when we do it together. And today I hope we will hear or re-heart the importance of that and how unity in our faith will positively impact our walk with Christ individually and as a church family as we seek again, I can't stress this or emphasize this enough, as we seek to push back darkness and decrease lostness in the city of Durham, its surrounding communities and to the very ends of the world. And so for this last message of this three-part uh, remember versary series, we are going to look at the last angle of our mission triangle, which is reproducing the good news of Jesus Christ. We family are reproducers of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let me give you what reproduce means. Reproduce means it just simply means to produce again to produce new individuals of the same kind was one, one definition gave uh, for me as I, uh, as I was studying this, to produce again. What are we producing again? Disciples. Those, those that are being transformed by the renewing of their minds. And so as we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we want to go to invest in the life of someone else so their minds can be renewed, they can be restored, but most importantly, they can receive this beautiful gift of resurrection that we have received, that we have been, we, we were once, as Ephesians tells us, we were once dead in our sins and our trespasses, but Christ Christ, because he had this surpassing love for us and because he was rich in mercy, he made us alive with himself and he seated us in the heavenly places with him. And that's what we want to reproduce. We want to reproduce what was produced in us. This salvation, this love, this hope, this peace, this joy, this, this, this gentleness, this meekness, this temperance, this self-control, this, this abundant life that we now have in Christ Jesus. We want to go reproduce that in the life of somebody else who doesn't already have it, who doesn't already have it and desperately needs it. And so, um, as you know, y'all know that I, I, I'm a big golden Oreo fan. I talked about that last week. So I just want to bring that in this week. There's, there's a, there's a formula, if you will, or a recipe, right? There's, there's a manual blueprint handbook, if you will, uh, a standard operating procedure, work area guideline, uh, whatever it is in your context. There's, there's something that, that uh, Nabisco, I believe it's Nabisco, whoever owns them now, I forget who it is. But anyways, they, right, have a, a blueprint. They have a blueprint for production. And they say, hey, you do it this way, you're going to get this product. And this particular product has been nothing short of a blessing to me. Golden Oreos have been nothing short. And they Produce it again. They produce it again. Why? Because it has become a hit. There's nothing like taking a regular Oreo. For those that like to dip it in milk, you can dip it in milk. Me personally, I love to crunch it up and put it in my vanilla ice cream. That's the way I just love to do it, uh, having uh, uh, Oreos, regular Oreos. But the golden Oreos, I don't need nothing else but the, but the box, the container itself. Let me take off that, 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 that paper. Let me peel it back and let me just go to work. 
And they continue to produce it again. And what do I do? I go back to the store and buy it again, and buy it again, buy it again. Why? Because it's a good product. It has, it has produced something that I consider of value for me. And, and it's something that, as I'm doing right now, I'm proclaiming the goodness to you of it. And in like manner, family, in like manner, in, in, in a small way of understanding this, right manner, we should be doing the same thing about the gospel. This salvation we have, and we understand how God has loved us, how he has transformed us, how he's graced us, how he's been merciful to us, how he's been gracious to us, how he's been loving to us. We should be wanting to go tell others about that and then producing in them what Christ has produced in us by his grace, through the authority and, and, and truth of his holy word, and in company or in concert with God's people in like manner. Just like they have other employees who work together to produce that product, to reproduce those Oreos at the production facility, the church of Jesus Christ should also be a production facility of making disciples who go and make disciples. We, the church, are a production facility of disciples. We're disciple makers, and we should constantly and consistently be producing disciples that will go out and push back darkness and decrease lostness in our city, and we do it in concert together because we do it better when we do it together, family. It's important for us to understand that. And we looked at that uh, through the last two um, uh, messages, and we pointed out things that help us to understand that we need to be upward focused, inward focused, outward and forward focused, disciple making disciples. And this is where all of these come together here in this message, responding to the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, reproducing, excusing, and make a kingdom impact in our community and to the very ends of the world. So as you're in Matthew 28, let me give you a quick overview. As you know, I'm going to call it the Chuck Reed version. Let me give you a quick overview here. Jesus has been crucified just as he prophesied. Jesus has been crucified just as he prophesied. And see, the disciples now have gone. Uh, they're scattered now. Jesus is no longer with them physically as they had him. In, that, in, in the time that they had him. He's no longer there. So now they're scattered. Some are even in hiding. And here come Mary, Mary. Mary Magdalene, the scripture says, in the other Mary. Here comes Mary, Mary walking to the tomb. If you've ever listened to a Mary, Mary, hopefully you got that pun right there. Mary, Mary walking to the tomb for a somber visitation. They were going to, to anoint him. They're going to bring spices and fragrances to anoint his body with. They came to mourn, but watch this, but end up being blessed with joy. They came to with the spirit of heaviness, but left with a garment of praise. Can you hear the undertones of Isaiah 61 here? And Jesus appeared to them and said, what up? And then he told the women, he said pretty much, he said the way he announced himself is almost like a, a slang kind of term, the way it's written uh, in the original language. It's almost like a slang term, a greeting, like we would say, what up or what's up or say, hey, you know, more so like that. Instead of, you know, him coming on the scene, it was like, I am here. He just came and he just said, hey, y'all, like, what up? What, what's good? Almost in a sense, like, why y'all tripping? Didn't I tell y'all what was going to go down? So now it's time to celebrate. Now it's time to rejoice because I did what I said I was going to do. And I'm reigning with all power, authority. I have provided victory. I'm here standing. Could nothing or no one take me out or take me down? I am Christ, the risen, resurrected king. Why are you tripping? It's time, it's time to celebrate. It's time to be thankful. It's time to rejoice. 
And so the story gets better. The story gets better. The guards, right? The guards that are guarding the tomb, right? They're guarding the tomb. And so they end up, boom, they end up falling down and they present themselves like they started playing possum. They were acting like they were dead. And so then, right, this thing is so real. Now, what they have to do, some of the guards that went off and they done went and told the high priest what went down. They're like, look, uh, we were guarding the tomb and we got some bad news, which is good news for us that uh, the body ain't in there no more. And there was this angel that came and this angel started talking and all this light was shining. And all I can tell you is that the body ain't there, right? And so they have the elders, all right, the, the, the high priests and the elders, now they have an emergency leadership meeting and they devise a plan for a cover-up because somebody got to tell the governor. Somebody got to tell the big boss what's going down. And the last thing we want to do is tell the big boss, because if we tell the big boss, we're going to have big problems. And so you must see this in its fullness, because Roman rules stated this, that those who were keeping watch over the prison, over the God, if, if, if they, watch this, if, it, if they didn't fulfill their responsibility, right, by, by, by keeping guard and the prisoner got out, then what would happen is they would suffer the same fate or same punishment that was put on said prisoner. When like manner, Jesus was sentenced to death. He was given a death sentence. And those guards who were keeping watch over the tomb, when they reported back that he was no longer in there, immediately for them under Roman rule, they were to suffer the same fate. Let me take you back to Acts chapter 16. If you haven't read there, uh, the Philippian jailer experienced the same thing. He took out his sword. He was getting ready to kill himself. And the apostle Paul said, no, 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 no. Don't you do that. We're all here. We're all good. None of us broke out. Now, I want to point that out because that's important. They devised a cover up because the fact of the matter is that if this came out to be so that Jesus was resurrected, then everything that he had prophesied was true. And this was already a great movement. The Christian movement was already taken over. It was, it was spreading uh, like wildfire. And, and, and I'm not being insensitive to those who have experienced that. Please, please don't hear me that way. But to bring in the phrase, it was spreading fast and it was spreading wide. And in like manner, they couldn't have that. And what was their main point of evidence to shut down those that were claiming that he was the Messiah, that he would rise from the grave in three days, that, that they couldn't take his life and that he would he would build it up again, that all of that type of stuff that he was talking about, that he was the temple, and if they tore that temple down, he would build it again in three days. Everything that he said, everything that he had prophesied, that he had came to give life and life more money, all of those type things, the evidence that they needed was the body. The body was no longer there. Oh, this was a big deal. This was a big problem. And we can't tell the big boss because now it's really going to cause us big harm. I got to get you to understand this. I got to get you to see the magnitude of this because Jesus told them what was going to happen. They declared him to be blasphemous. And now the very evidence they needed to prove their point is no longer available or accessible. He's not dead. He's alive. He's not in the grave. He's alive. And can we just take a brief moment, a brief praise moment right here and thank God for the part of the good news story, the good news narrative of who our Christ is and what he has done for us, that, that, that the narrative of the empty tomb. Can we have a praise moment right now here for the narrative of the empty tomb? Many of you have empty tomb testimonies. You, your salvation story alone is an empty tomb testimony. You're, you've had some dark or 
or distant or, or, or difficult um, family relationship that has been made new or been, been reconciled and restored. You have an empty tomb testimony. You have a financial situation or a financial matter that you that that was weighing heavy on you, that was wearing you down. And now you have an empty tomb testimony that God restored, that, that God redeemed, that, that God brought you out of that place and now has prospered you in a way. You had a workplace situation where the enemy thought he could have you bound and he thought you were up against a demotion or maybe even firing. And God not only uh, flipped that and gave you your job back, but then he promoted you and promoted you with more money and more influence. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Maybe your mindset, maybe the way you talk and the language you use was always negative, was always self-deprecating or depressing. And now the Lord has given you an empty tomb season that now you are, are resurrected and you have been restored. And now you speak life. You speak words of liberty. You speak words of joy. You speak words of, of, of the Lord's grace in your life. Do I need to go on? Many of us have an empty tomb testimony. And if you don't have one, I'm blessing, hallelujah, and praising God right now that by the end of this message, you're going to have you an empty tomb testimony as well in Jesus' name. Let me dive a little deeper in this because this is important to know because if Jesus came out of that tomb, then guilt doesn't have the last word in our lives. Yes, apart from him, we stand condemned, but he took the full penalty of our sin on the cross so that there is no more condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. If Jesus came out of the tomb for us, then the empty tomb means that addictions don't have the last word in our lives. In the resurrection, God has released a power on earth that can renew all that sin has destroyed. You see, this empty tomb means that Christ, like King David declared, can become the stronghold of our lives and not any other thing. If that empty tomb narrative is true, which it is, then the empty tomb means that pain does not have the last word in our lives. You see, this world has been full of various forms of pain, physical, emotional, psychological, financial, and the list goes on and on and on. And maybe you've experienced a number of those in some way, shape or form in your life. Maybe from seeing a beloved one suffer from cancer or Alzheimer's and watching them decline physically in their last days and, and what it did and how it affected you or, or maybe the death of a loved one or maybe a financial decision or difficulty that has continued to plague you. Maybe there's some other physical pain in your body, maybe in your back or maybe you've been consistently dealing with migraines or some other physical pain that you have been suffering with in your life. And I just want you to know because of the cross, because of the empty tomb, excuse me, because of the empty tomb, whatever the pain, the resurrection shows you that that kind of pain does not have the last word in your life. Through Christ, we are being redeemed to a place where there are no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. And even in the midst of it, he is near to the brokenhearted and he's able to save those that are crushed in spirit. If this is true, this is important to note, because if Jesus came out of that tomb, then the empty tomb means that despair does not have the last word on our lives, does not have the last word in our lives, no matter how dark the night may seem to you right now, because Jesus is our resurrected King. He offers you his joy and his peace that can bring light to the dark places of your life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning because of the empty tomb. This means injustice does not have the last uh, a word in our world. 
Yes, we live in a world where things happen unfairly and unjustly. But God, because he is the just and the justifier, he is going and is well able to overturn all those bad things and redeem us into a world where all wrongs are righted and he heals us all for eternity. He is the one who can make every crooked place straight. And because of Christ, because of his empty tomb, that means the empty tomb means for us, lastly, that death and sin do not have the last word in our lives. All those who die in Christ are raised with him to an eternal existence. We live with him forever and we are loved by him forever. And that's where we'll stop and pause for today. Thank you for taking your time with us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church or have us pray for you in any way, you can find us at www.rebuildchurch.com. That is www.rebuildchurch.com. Our church meets in Durham, North Carolina, and if you're looking for a church to attend, we'd love to have you join us. We meet weekly at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and you can find more details about what to expect and where we are on our website. You can also find our full services on our YouTube channel. Please join us for our next episode as Pastor Chuck continues this message, which is titled, We Are Reproducers. Thank you.